Hey, and welcome to another episode of Podcraft. This is the show all about podcasting, from launching your show to monetization and everything in between. I'm Colin Gray from thepodcasthost.com, joined by Matthew. As always, how are you, Matthew? Yeah, not too bad, Colin. What did you have to go and do there? You did a false start, then you got up, you went away and did something, came back. Just turn my light off. Just turn Turn your light off. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Uh, yeah, I like recording. I don't know, there's like a studio feel when I don't have my big bright light on, something around that. Like it just feels mm-hmm. more uh, recordy. Like remember yeah. our old Dundee office, it was so black, like all the black walls. I'm not sure what yeah. it is. There's a wee kind of mindset thing. I just quite it's like funny it that, eh? Like we've been in a couple of radio studios in our time and they're always quite dimly lit, like low ambience. Yeah. Yeah, wonder what that is. There must be a reason for it. Maybe just saving yeah. money. <laughs> <laughs> They're just cheap. Just saving yeah. electricity. Yeah, no, it's there's got definitely one tiny little bulb. Yeah, yeah. I think there's. It's a funny thing. It probably applies to uh, many of our listeners out there as well. Like it's kind of a. I don't know. You you have certain spaces, certain situations, certain contexts where you feel most comfortable recording, don't you? Where you feel kind of, uh, I don't know, at your. Uh, zen point or whatever you are so i don't know do you find that at all like do you have to be in a certain place or are you a catch-all you can record anywhere matthew no no i do i do think there's a lot about setting yeah i think um there's subconscious things in your brain that like in a certain setting you you get into the the mood a bit more so i think i think there's a lot in that um not none that i'm qualified to talk about but definitely (laughs) uh something in the subconscious there Okay. yeah cool all right well talking about talking about what are we talking about this week we're uh, nearing the end of our gear season aren't we what have we got this time around yeah i mean that th- this is a kind of integral part after we've put all that gear together we've tarted up our studio a bit and now we're we're just looking at some software aren't we to record yeah. and, and edit with so this is this is a reach in the end of the road with this isn't it so it sounds indeed. a bit final <gasps> yeah, only the end of this season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we've got all our gear in place. We've got all the hardware, all of that stuff, um, a place to record. And now we just need someone to actually record it into. Eh? So, that's the software. Um, and because it's so tied into editing, we're going to cover editing software, aren't we? Even though it's not really kind of a, a setup piece. But yeah, is there is there many places you can record that you can't edit, Matthew? <laughs> I'm sure there is. There's many, many. But for us podcasters, we probably don't need many of them. Eh? What do you think? Yeah, no, that that's that's a good point. Like it's recording software. It's often doubles up as editing software, doesn't it? And vice versa. And even you know, most recording softwares will give you very basic editing tools. Some will obviously give you very good tools, which we'll talk about. But yeah, it's, it's unlikely these days. You know, a lot of call recorders back in the day, you could just record your call, but most of them now are at least giving you the option to kind of top and tail and stuff like that, aren't they? So yeah, yeah, um, totally. what, what are the kind of, what would you say are the three main types of podcast software we see for recording and editing? Yeah, I guess you get, so... If we're talking about recording and editing, um, or separating them out, you've got you've got call recorders. That was one of the good sort of uh, early niches in podcast software, wasn't it? Like people just developed a call recorder alone, and that was really for they were designed for capturing interviews or co-hosted shows. And the big thing there was often they would end up um, trying to improve on the standard like Skype call. It was always a Skype caller back in the day, wasn't it, Matthew? Do you ever mm. miss a Skype call? No, not at all. Not at all. Really awkward. (laughs) Like Ecamm, uh, what was it called? Ecamm, and there was another one as well. So you you needed your Skype 
account, your guest needed one, and then you needed third-party software yeah. like Ecamm. And then exactly. you also like took it away to another software to edit it. So it was yeah. like this. And it's not that long ago. Like it was no, I mean, no. six, seven years. years ago. That was still like, pretty common. Yeah, it probably so. still exists, though, a bit of software. But anyway, they kind of emerged in podcasting to try and get around that because every time you recorded a Skype call, your call quality depended on the call. It's, sorry, the recording quality, I should say, depended on the call quality because if the Skype call starts crapping out, then that's recorded right into the call. So these call recording platforms emerged, um, the likes of uh, Squadcast and Zencaster and those kind of tools, who claimed to do a double ender. And they claimed, I say, they they did do a double ender, whereby they record you locally on your side, me locally on my side, and then they do the work of bringing them together, uh, stitching them together again. So you should get full quality sound local on both sides, don't you? So that was kind of the the, uh, the early one. And they've a lot of them have kind of branched out into video haven't they like most of them kind of really lean on video recording at the same time too so that's kind of one isn't it i mean the other is the kind of place your uh, is this place your your happy place matthew an old traditional daw uh do you do a, r- a lot of recording straight into your daws these days too yeah i've always worked in adobe edition again an option that we're going to talk about and that is like you're saying what's known as a a, a digital audio workstation i've always found that term a bit weird but um <laughs> yeah your your editions your audacities that you know the, these were born out of the mainly the music production and sound design world they're yeah. not podcast first tools but they were all we had <laughs> again sounding really yeah. old here but you know they, <laughs> they they were what was available and they were what you kind of used uh, things are kind of different these days, too, aren't they? Because we've also now got like all-in-one podcast making apps, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a few of them around now as well, which kind of include the recording and the editing, and maybe even a few other automation bits as well, like uh, audio cleanup and maybe some assisted editing, that kind of stuff. Um, some of them even putting in hosting as well. So we can talk about a few options there, but. Um, yeah do you think the daw one kind of it was always audacity back in the day wasn't it it's like yeah so it's free ones that help people get into it that was always why they people ended up going that route even though they're not really podcast specific i suppose so yeah i mean what do you use these days matthew what's you mentioned audition there is that still your tool of choice for editing and production yeah definitely that's that's always where i go to um Again, I've mentioned this loads of times on the show before, purely because I'm so comfortable with it. I know my way around it. I've got all my templates set up. It's not the, the sort of thing that I recommend to folks just coming in. No. But that, that, that's purely why I use it. What, what do you mainly use to like edit these days? It depends, really. I mean, um, primarily I do like I do use Alitu. <laughs> People might think I'm plugging, but I use our tool Alitu because... Um, literally because we made it and designed it and I kind of direct the product based on what I want from a podcast editor. So that's what I use these days. But occasionally I do use Audition still. If I'm looking for something like much more kind of, um, if I'm doing something a lot more complex, like Alitu is designed for uh, your standard types of podcasts and it does just about everything a normal podcaster would do. But occasionally we work on really kind of layered stuff, like more voices, more uh, sound, like loads of effects, all that kind of stuff. And then, then it is better to work in something like Audition when you're working with like four or five six tracks and loads of different stuff so that's my kind of two use cases if it's a normal podcast um, I'm in Alitu and if it's like a kind of layered thing where we're putting together 
um, lots of different things. It's audition or actually premiere a lot. Like a lot of the stuff we do these days is uh, if it's that style, it might be video as well. So that's kind of the three places probably I am most. Um, I did. I used to use Audacity a lot. I mentioned Audacity. I was just going to say that. Yeah. (laughs) I remember like very early podcraft, like before we worked together or that, like you were saying that you, you know, podcraft was basically made on audacity like yeah, the first couple yeah. of seasons yeah for so, sure yeah i mean it's free it's like it's it is amazing how good that tool was for being zero cost um and i mean it's still good it still does the job i i feel like these days it's kind of our standards are a bit higher because the tools around are so good and even like the all-in-one stuff um the call recorders all that kind of thing everything's so good the audacity just looks older and older and more and more clunky as the years go on but mm. it still does the job doesn't it like if you've yeah if you need the if you need something free you've got zero budget um or even just try to save it's it's fine it's totally fine it's just a bit of extra learning a bit of dealing with a clunky interface but it does the job so yeah absolutely mm-hmm. I was like, I go on Audacity every now and then because maybe we've got an article I need to update and I just need to look around it because, you know, they, to be fair, like they have brought gradually in, um, more useful features over the years. Like they brought in non-destructive editing at last, which was great. Uh, but I always laugh when I go in there because they've always got like the same button, like six different times. Like you find a button to do this, you find it here, here, here. It's like, they just need a designer to sit down and say, like, you don't you don't need this button six times. Once will do. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I think it's because <laughs> it's 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 designed by committee, isn't it? Like it's open source, and there's just I think there's just a lot of people. Yeah. That's in. It. It's basically yeah. a Wikipedia article, but an Aye. editing software version. <laughs> That's so. it. It's a good comparison. <laughs> <laughs> it got bought over, didn't it? So I don't. I, I haven't even kept up too much with the news on it, but it got bought over. That was over, a weird which, story, though. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what was going on with that because it didn't make any sense. No. Um, no. And they didn't do much. They didn't seem to do much with it. Um, I thought maybe that would be it. They'd be really improved and updated and kind of reskinned and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't seem to have changed that much. Um, mm. I'm sure this is a thing though as well, isn't it? Like it's another reason why um, we don't recommend working in audition necessarily because audacity is not a podcaster's tool. It's a, it's a sound designer's tool, an audio engineer's tool, same as audio um, Adobe audition is. So like, but there might be the case that audacity has actually changed a whole lot in the last few years after being bought over, but we've no idea because actually it's all tools for audio engineers. It's all the real kind of techie stuff behind the scenes. Um, Mm. So I don't know. I'm not sure if, if that is the case, it's not something that's that relevant. It, the stuff that's relevant to podcasters hasn't seemed to change very much. So yeah. mm-hmm. we've kind of strayed right into the best options here, haven't we? So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we, when talking about the best options, if you're out there looking for a recording and an editing piece of software, we're lumping them in together a fair bit here because they are so kind of integrated. And we're going to split out um text-based editing in a minute as well because that's something that's really emerged as a big tool for podcasters like talk about talk about podcast specific you know most podcasts don't actually have much in the way of sound design it's all dialogue it's all text and actually uh text-based editing is a really powerful way to edit a podcast because of that because it's just 30 60 minutes of words (laughs) um so we'll come into that in a minute but in terms of the best overall options for editing, we talk about Alitu as being the easiest. Um, 
And again, I genuinely think I'd say that even if it wasn't our tool, because we have designed it that way. It's designed to be the simplest, most accessible way to get into editing a podcast. And it's got recording in there too, call recording. So that's one of them. That's the easiest, the simplest, the best starting point. Um, and actually does like 95% of podcasters long-term as well, unless you start going like super complex sound design and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, free, for best free option is Audacity, uh, as we've just talked about. So there we go. First two options there, Matthew. If, um, just nip back and uh, recap them. So where are we going from here? What's next? Yeah, just a caveat on Audacity too. I know we've talked mm-hmm. about it a wee bit in detail, but with Audacity, your recording and editing software is free. But if you want to record calls, you will need a, a, another option. Good point. You know, whether that's yep. free on Zoom for 40 minutes or whatever, but you, yeah, you yeah. will need to get your call recording elsewhere. So it's worth yes. pointing that out. Uh, and it's the same for these other two options. Like the, the third option, yeah. I kind of refer to this as Going Pro. Uh, and it's Hindenburg or Reaper, which are two, mm-hmm. again, they're DAWs, but I've mm-hmm. I've not got a lot of uh, first-hand experience myself, but I know a lot of podcasters who swear by both of these. That They've got like really strong cult followings, both these DAWs, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what do, and, what do you I, think? I, I've always been, always been curious, sorry to jump in there. Um, what's the kind of difference between, like, why would you say go Hindenburg or Reaper as opposed to just buying Adobe Audition since it's the kind of market leader? Is it simply budget? Um, and Audition's better, but it costs more. Is that kind of what you're saying? Because to me, going pro would be Audition as well. Like, what's the difference? Yeah, well, just as a starting point there, I've I've got Audition as the advanced option. So the going pro yeah. option being the, the sort of middle ground between Audacity and Audition. Okay. Uh, so yeah. price is a big factor, yeah. I, I think yep. you could buy both Hindenburg and Reaper as a one-off, whereas Audition, you're basically renting it every month. Uh, so I think that's a factor. Hindenburg has a lot of tools that are more tailored towards spoken word content. So traditionally, mm-hmm. they've talked about it as a journalist tool. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, we, we, we talk about how these tools aren't made for podcasters per se, but Hindenburg yeah, does yeah. come close. So it's it, it has a lot. Yeah, yeah. And Reaper, you know, from what I hear about Reaper from folks that, that really love it, they, they just find it very intuitive. They find the tools very good. You go into addition for the first time, and Audacity too. You don't know what you're doing, you know, if you've never yeah. worked with any software like this. But I think Reaper has done a lot just to to try and simplify it to make the workflows really good. And I know you could set all these things up in addition, but it's a steep learning curve. So yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, that's good to know. Thank you. All right, so yeah, going pro Hindenburg and Reaper and advanced Adobe Audition for the kind of top end. Um, Okay, what we jump into next? Well, is that enough on the uh, the best options for uh, recording and editing? Actually, sorry, recording. The only one in there is Alitu. So editing really um, is uh, Audacity Hindenburg. Yeah, uh, you could cool. you you could record with the other ones either solo or yeah. you know you and I could be together in the same room. We could record into them. But if we're going to do a call like we're doing now, we yeah. need a third party piece of software, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Okay, so perfect. we've got we've got a roundup that that digs into more detail on each of these platforms, and we'll add that to the show notes. But you want to talk about some text based editing now, Con, seeing as it's the future. 
Okay, well, I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Before we do, I'm going to jump in to just quickly mention our course, um, which we've been mentioning throughout this season because we just released our uh, podcast growth course, so-called Growth Essentials. It's got nearly 50 different ways to grow your podcast, uh, going anything from like quite quick wins that you can just get done in five or 10 minutes right up to um, longer-term strategies that really help you grow your audience long-term. It's designed to really go through over, you know, a few months even just doing a few things a week or even just pick out one thing every week and sort of go over a year and you really feel that momentum grow if you manage to get one little thing done in growth every single week uh, it kind of grows an amazing momentum gets that snowball rolling so you can find that over at podcast growth essentials which is at thepodcasthost.com forward slash growth course that's thepodcasthost.com forward slash growth course and that should help you launch your course and grow it uh, like a rocket so hopefully you can check that out all right okay text-based editing then matthew i mean what have you ever actually done text-based editing on a show i tried out the script a few years ago when that came yeah. about just to give it a shot uh I think it's a brilliant idea. Again, it's it's just it's something I don't do because I've just been doing it a certain way for yeah. years, and there's no need to change. But no, I, I think it's a great idea. Like it really is. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, you know, technology is only going to get better on this front too, isn't it? I, it, yeah. I suppose so. A, a starting point. Like, what do we actually mean by text-based editing? <laughs> what does it mean? Yeah, it's and it does surprise me actually how many people still don't really have experience in this. Um, it's when you get your episode transcribed. So <clears throat> you get a transcription of the whole episode. Uh, text is there in front of you. And then you can actually just edit the audio as if it's a Word document. So you go in there, you read through, you find some paragraphs or sentences, you highlight them, and you can click delete. And it deletes it from the transcript, but actually at the same time, it's deleting it from the audio as well. So you're going to be able to do the broad strokes edit take out, uh, you know, whatever mistakes you have or stuff like that. Uh, and you can do it just in text. So I think the the benefits are really that it's just so much quicker. You can kind of skim through that transcript. You can find the parts of the show that you remember that you want to take out. You can read through much faster than you can listen. And you can kind of, I remember when I was doing much more detailed editing, there's, you'd end up having to listen through paragraphs like three, four times to find the kind of highlight of it. Whereas with text, you can kind of skim over it and find those highlights or those bits that you can, the fluff that you can cut out so much more easily. So that's kind of what I mean by text-based editing. So um, what was your experience about a few years ago, Matthew? I think when I was using it, Descripted, because they, as far as I know, they were the first to do it, Descript, who we're going to talk about as one of the options here. And yeah. I, I did find some of the cuts. I mean, again, this is going back a few years, but I found them a yeah. bit brutal. Uh, you yeah. know, I'd delete a word and in theory on the transcript, it looked fine, but it maybe made a cut that was slightly jarring. So yeah. Yeah. again, that's just because speech is so much more chaotic than the written word, isn't it? So there's always going to <laughs> yeah. be rough edges yeah. here. That was always the downside and it still is definitely one of the cons of it. Like I, my, my um, take on text-based editing is that you go through and you do the broad strokes, like you do a quick skim edit with text. So you read through it and you cut out the kind of bigger parts that you think are fluff or you spot the mistakes really easily because you can use signal words that you can say during your recording, uh, right, edit this. And then you just search for edit this in the transcript and you can really easily find those edits. It's kind of like that click edit trick that I've um, talked about ages ago in the past as well. 
uh, it's really sort of signaling edits. So you can go through, you can find those bigger mistakes or like coughs or all that kind of stuff and edit them out. And then the con is that you're absolutely right. Some of those cuts can be a little bit brittle. They can be a little bit non-ideal. Like as a, a dialogue editor yourself, like, you know, you spend ages sculpting like words together, don't you? Like mm-hmm. thinking about how you put things together, the tone has to match, all that kind of stuff. So my impression is, or my take on it is that you do the big um, rough cut with the text-based edit, and then it's worth going through and listening to those and adjusting them, changing them around if they sound um, bad. So that's um, the kind of take we've done. That's how we've taken it in Alitu. We've got the audio editor in there at the same time as the text-based editing. So you can go through the text-based edit, you can do the sort of broad strokes, you can cut out the big stuff, but then you can really quickly go through and preview each of those edits to see what they sound like. And you can actually adjust the edges really simply to maybe change the cut a little bit to make it sound more smooth, or you can just delete the cut altogether if you think actually it just doesn't match. So um, so yeah, that's kind of how I see text-based editing. You can do a bit of that with the other tools as well. Um, we've really leaned on the, the kind of preview and adjust element because of our audio editor. But um, should we just let's go through the options then, Matthew? I mean, what have we got just now that does this? The three three platforms really mainly. Yeah, I mean, Alitu, like we've been talking about in Descript, uh, first on the scene, with, and then the third option is yeah. Riverside. You've you've played yeah. with their uh, text based editor too, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They released it uh, what. Uh, two, three months ago, a little while ago. We're in October 23 right now. Um, and they've been, they released a really kind of basic version of it. Like you couldn't really play around with it much. You couldn't fix the transcript. You couldn't um, adjust the edges at all. You couldn't even zoom in on a timeline or anything like that. But they've been pretty quickly iterating on it. So it does the job now, absolutely. Like you can change, uh, you can edit your videos in there now um, quite simply. So yeah, it's kind of equivalent. Um so yeah, that's the three platforms. You've got Alitu. We added it about three, four months ago as well. Um, and Descript and Riverside. Uh, and I've just written a post on this as well. So yeah, if you want to go over and see more detail on how all of these work, um, uh, kind of get in comparison of the three, uh, see how they might work for you, then pop over there. That'll be in the show notes as well. Where are the show notes these days, Matthew? Thepodcasthost.com forward slash tech season is where you find everything. season. Perfect. All right. We've got anything else on text-based editing then? Uh, no, I would just to, to say, I, I, I agree with what you're saying about the, you know, these are like big picture edits, aren't they? Predominantly. That's how I would use it. Like I'll maybe do a recording and I'll know that like me and the guest kind of went off on a tangent, you know, maybe we talked about the guy's pet dog or something and I could just like go <laughs> control F and look for dog and I'll see all that section and I yeah, can just exactly. get it out straight away. Yeah, so, because yeah, totally. uh, I've, I've experimented with all sorts of ways to to make editing faster. Like Colin, you, you talked about click editing. We'll put your mm-hmm. guide to that in the show notes too. There's also mm-hmm. like the, the playhead speed, playback speed that Alatu oh, yeah. and Audacity has. So... Like, yeah. you know, before text-based editing, you could still do a very fast listen-through of your episode uh, at double speed just to find out bits that you wanted to take out. And yeah. um, there was also a cool little app that I, I was using for a few years called Edit Point as well, which oh, yeah. remember that. You, um, yeah. you would basically load in your recording, go out for a walk, mm-hmm. and you could very quickly on your phone just tap Edit Points you could leave little markers and stuff. So I could bring that back to my computer after having a nice walk and I would know exactly what needed done. So I'm always looking for ways to to speed things up. 
Absolutely. I mean, that's like, that's, uh, it's the core thing we're asked about all the time, isn't it? It's like the whole reason we started Alitu in the first place was because when we were writing the podcast host, um, like tutorials, blog posts, courses, all that kind of stuff, like the biggest question always was how do I make editing quicker, easier, less techie? Like, can you help with some of this? And it's, it's why we start building it in the first place because it's, uh, it's the whole purpose behind it to make it simpler, quicker quicker really um more than anything else so yeah that, it always surprised me when we brought that playhead thing in um like the playhead speed i should say uh, that no one else was doing it at the time so been able to listen to your voice on two times speed like you listen to a podcast like i listen to all podcasts mm-hmm. a little bit faster than average 1.2 to 1.4 or 1.5 maybe with some um so it always frustrated me you couldn't edit by listening at that speed as well uh, yeah without going chipmunk voice eh? like you used to yeah, sometimes well, speed up it, tracks yeah. <laughs> i think that happens in audacity i think audacity oh, does it? you adjust the playhead speed in audacity it certainly used to chipmunk you um, you can't do it in addition you can't do it in that way in addition you can't change yeah. the speed of the playhead what i have to really? do in addition is uh squash the the tracks down so i have to really? to 50 percent do my yeah. edits and then pull them back to 100 percent again so really prefer it if i could just change the speed of the playhead that yeah. would be much more simpler so yeah totally yeah cool all right well yeah the only other thing to mention there as well and i, I feel like i'm um I hope it doesn't come across as touting. I'm just telling the uh, the benefits. But Alitu also has um, automatic music adding uh, and it does your transitions for you as well. So every time you're creating your episode, you can create that basic episode. You've got a template there, which adds in your theme music at the start and the end. It'll have your transitions there as well, um, which are, uh, you know, kind of overlapping the music and the voice. Um, so you fade out the music into the voice. That kind of stuff's done automatically too. Um, and it's also got the audio cleanup too. So it's noise reduction, leveling, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and all of those are parts of that edit. They're all part of that pr- that production process designed to cut down the time required to do it. So um, they're all things that are built into that, um, into our editor over at Alitu as well. But I hope we've covered the alternatives here um, as well. So if you're looking for an alternative, if you're looking for someone else, because Alitu is not for everyone, then you've got a choice to go with as well. All righty. What about a couple of final things just around editing equipment, Matthew? I know you've played around with a couple of these things. Like what do you like in editing equipment? Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd love to take credit for both these uh, suggestions, but it was actually two of our reviewers, Sarah and Dev. So we've got two different articles, two different case studies that I'm going to put in the show notes. Uh, one of them by Sarah is about using a stream deck, a device called a stream deck to edit your podcast. And then oh, yeah. Dev did one on using a game controller, literally an <laughs> Xbox or PlayStation controller. Yeah, And th- th- this is really cool. If you think about it, like, we use the mouse with computers. How how old a technology is the mouse? Like it must be what forty odd year, fifty years old. Oh, it's like, old, yeah. <laughs> and it, it like when a mouse was designed, I bet there wasn't that much thought went in it. And certainly, the designer of the mouse probably didn't expect it to be used as much by everyone every day as it is now. So you do hear <laughs> of folks. You know, folks get like RSI and stuff like that. They get strain injuries because they're just Mm -hmm. sitting in this position with their hand up all day. And if you're doing detailed editing or if you're doing any sort of work on the computer, there there are more optimal ways to do it. Uh, So the Stream Deck is a device predominantly used by streamers and stuff like that. It's, it's, It's bringing the control 
into this device rather than sit and hold their mouse. And yeah. Sarah and our guide has, has just talked about how you set that up to edit your podcast with. Yeah, and that's really cool. Likewise, I think when I saw, yeah, when I saw the one about the controllers, I thought that's amazing. Like, I've never even I'd be like, how do you do that? How do you use an Xbox controller to edit a show? That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, and like Dev was saying, you know, you're you're in a bit more of or a lot more of a comfortable and uh, arguably more natural position if you're holding a game controller. Again, I know yeah. you can't sit in any one position for any length of time and it's good for <laughs> you, but uh, I think yeah. these options, you know, there's there's a great case that they're better than using a mouse yeah. for quite a length of time. So Yeah, yeah. Well, do you know, when I'm playing Xbox, I'm quite often standing up, actually. I quite often mm-hmm. play standing up, where yeah. it's kind of like stretching or something like that because it's so much easier to you know, get in different positions when you're holding a controller. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing worth mentioning had just occurred to me just now, I used to do a lot of my audio editing with a, um, what do you call them? A graphics tablet, like a pen and a tablet where um, you plug it into your computer. Wacom do a lot of these, W-A-C-O-M. I used to have a great Wacom graphics tablet because I used to do a lot of cartooning back in my younger days, and it kind of stayed with me. And I found it really good for audio editing, actually, because it was really precise. You could just be holding this pen in your hand, and you're using it just like a mouse, um, but it works slightly differently because if you lift the pen off the screen and put it back down elsewhere on the tablet, uh, it actually jumps the mouse pointer to there. So it's like a really interesting mm. interface where you can move the, the point around really simply. You can have real fine control over dragging, dropping, that kind of stuff. So a Wacom graphics tablet, you get them for under $100 these days. They've got a couple of good little ones. Um, I bought one for my son actually recently because he was playing around with drawing and stuff like that. So it uh, could be an option as well if you want to get, rid- get away from the mouse. Like you say, Matthew, I used to use it just because I used to get a bit of... Uh, you know, repetitive strain injury and stuff like that, just from all the computing that we do in our work. So, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. All righty. Did, did, you, ever, oh, go did for you ever use the, the pad on your laptop? Like I've done that, like oh, maybe I've been on a train or that, and I've thought I'm going yeah. to just try a wee bit of edit, and then it's horrible, isn't it? Oh, it's just nasty. <laughs> I generally hate to use the trackpad for anything other than just like really quick computing, like if I'm doing my emails or something like that on the train, it's fine, but... Yeah, it's horrible. And they've t- made them worse. They've tried <laughs> yeah. to put more into these things now. So I, I, I like accidentally touch it with a second finger and it pulls up all these other tabs. Yeah. Like, oh, would you like Aye. to do this? I'm like, but all the no, gestures. Don't, don't make this clever. <laughs> don't try and make no, this clever. No, absolutely. So. <laughs> cool. All right, let's tie up then. Um, one thing I'd like to ask, if you've enjoyed this season, we'd love to get some questions in around the gear, the software, all the stuff that we've talked about. So we'll do a Q&A episode, at least one, maybe even two or three. We'll see how we go in terms of how many we get in. Send your question in to thepodcasthost.com forward slash voicemail, and you'll be able to record your question there. We'd love to get some listener voices. So if you're out there uh, listening, please do send us some in, even a comment, even some recommendations of your own. That'd be really cool to include as well. What gear do you use for your podcast? What do you like? What are your favorite options for podcasting? So go over to thepodcasthost.com forward slash voicemail. Leave us that question and we'll do a follow-up at the end of the season um, with all the questions and give them some answers as well on that. 
Will we give folks a book, the new book, if they oh, send us a nice question? idea. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so we could do that. That's a, a great idea, actually. Yeah, so we'll send, uh, if you send in your question, if you go over to thepodcasthost.com forward slash voicemail, we'll send you a copy of our new book, uh, yet to be announced as well, Matthew. Nice little teaser there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, digital form, I should clarify. Um, yeah, 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 indeed. But yeah, it's, a, it's a 20 quid book, you'll get it for nothing. Indeed, Just indeed. send us yeah. a wee bit of audio. Absolutely. Send in a bit of audio. We'll include it in the show in the Q&A episodes um, and that'll be good fun to uh, hear from some of you out there. Perfect. That do us for this week, Matthew. It should. Well, yeah. Alrighty. Thank you for listening. Thanks for following along. Join us again for the final episode of this season where we're talking a bit of video and video, how video ties into your podcasting. So thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you then.